First Peter 2 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellences of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Beloved, it's wonderful to see everyone here today. We on here? Do I need to bring this in, gentlemen, or what? Can y'all hear me okay? Okay. That, yeah, that was actually a question, yeah. If, if you can't hear me, raise your hand. <laughs> okay. Beloved, it's wonderful to see everybody. Appreciate everybody being here today. Um, we, uh, brethren, are uh, told in the uh, Bible that we, in, in many of the one another verses, we're going to be looking at some today, but in, one, in many of the one another verses of the Bible, one of the things we, uh, the Bible tells us to do, and I think Chad mentioned this in class today, that we're to pray for one another. Um, and so we, we've had some prayer requests this morning that I want to honor at this time. Not that we can't be, and in fact, we want to encourage you to continue to pray for these folk that I'm going to mention, but, uh, but let's do go to God in prayer on their behalf right now. Father, you are the great physician, and we thank you for that. You are everything. You are always, we sing God, and, and you're also our great physician, and we thank you for that, Father, and we know you have the power to heal. Your word tells us that you're not limited in any way. And we have some folk in this congregation, Father, that's been suffering. Our sister, Kathy Fletcher, right now is very ill and, and in her condition because of her cancer treatments, Father, it makes it even worse. So we just pray that you would be with Kathy this morning, that you would comfort her and that you would give her your healing touch, Father, and help her to be over this sickness very quickly so she can continue to have the procedure done that she needs to have done. Father, our sister Geneva Guest has been ill for some time as well. We pray that you would give her your healing touch also, Father, and that, um, that she'll be able to be with, uh, back with us also. Um, her dear friend and our dear friend Rochelle Miller has also been suffering for some time with illness. And Father, we want you to just touch all these ladies, if you would, please, and bring them back to a good measure of health. And our brother David Arnold, Father, who's been uh, battling an ongoing illness for some time, Father, we just pray you'll give him your touch as well, God, and bless him and Sharon and all those, Father, in, in similar situations that are going through ongoing illnesses. Father, we just pray that you would touch them and that you would bring them back to us soon and that you would give them a good amount of health. And, Father, there's another kind of sickness that's even worse, and that's the spiritual illness that a lot of people are suffering. And, Father, we know that that can have eternal consequences, and so we pray that you would touch those folk, that you would use us to reach out to them and to encourage them to get themselves right with you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray, and amen. Beloved, uh, if you listen to our song leaders, and, and I appreciate Ken and so many of our song leaders who, who work very diligently to try to sing songs that are around the theme of what we're going to be talking about. I think it kind of prepares us, and today is what, or last night, really, I guess before you went to bed, it became what? Daylight savings time, very good. Um, someone said daylight saving time because more daylight is a good thing. <laughs> well, I don't know. Some people would think that way, I guess. But we're going to be talking today about daylight, the saving times. I, I kind of speak to whatever's on our hearts, you know. And um, 
You know, whatever your opinion is about daylight savings time, brethren, and I know there's varied opinions. I understand in our, and that it's being put forward in the Georgia legislature right now that uh, maybe we just do away with it, you know, and just, just have the same time all year round. Um, and a lot of states are kind of toying with that idea. But some people just have it all wrong. Do you ever feel that way, brethren? It's kind of like a man who flew into New York City and he, and he hired a taxi to take him down to his uh, hotel where he's going to be staying. And they're riding along, you know, and them New York taxi drivers are kind of fast and crazy anyway, what I hear. But uh, the, the driver just, just zooms right through a red light. Everybody stopped but him. He, the taxi cab guy, he just goes right through the red light, and, and the man said, man, that light was red. You were supposed to stop. He said, yeah, I know. He said, you don't have to worry about that. He said, My older brother does this all the time. And they're going along again the second time, man, they come up to a real busy intersection, and the guy just zooms through the light again, and, the, and everybody's slamming on their brakes and screaming and hollering, you know, and the, guy, the, the passenger in the back seat said, man, you trying to get us killed. He said, don't you see that light was plainly red and had been red for some time? And the, and the cab driver said, don't you worry about it. I said, my brother does this all the time. So they're going along, they come to a green light, and the taxi cab driver stops, and the guy Thinking, this guy's crazy. They said, what in the world are you doing stopping at a green light? The cab driver said, you never know when my brother's going to be coming through. <laughs> uh, well, brethren, you ever felt that like everyone in the world was kind of crazy except for you and me, and you're kind of suspicion of me, you know? With issues like in our country today, gay marriage and abortion and the breakdown of the family and all kinds of immorality that's preached as a good thing now, and the problem in our country of illicit drugs and alcohol, and sometimes we have to scratch our heads and ask, has the whole world gone crazy? How'd we get here, you know? Some of the tensions that we face in our daily life can be tracked to the conflict between what the Bible calls two kingdoms. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And the Bible says plainly, Paul says in Ephesians, that if you've come to Christ, then God has transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness. And so now you're in the kingdom of light. And in the kingdom of light, in the kingdom of darkness, they conflict with each other, and we know this. But brethren, do, what do we do with it? Because, see, we live in a dark world. So what, what do we do? We're light, right? God is light, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 5, and as such, we're to walk in that light, okay? There's no darkness at all in God, and we're to walk in that light, okay? The Bible tells us in John 1, 4, verse 4, that Jesus is the light, and we know that. And then the Bible says, if you are in Christ, since God is light and Jesus is the light, then we are the lights of a sin-darkened world. Matthew 5, 14, 1 Peter 2, 9 tells us this, right? And so, brethren, we are light. And so as children of light, as the Bible tells us we are, if you're in Christ, then God has certain expectations of us. Brethren, God's going to have expectations for the light that he wouldn't have for the darkness, of course, because they are diametrically opposed to one another. They cannot coexist. Have y'all noticed that? The, spur, the first expectation God has for us today, we're going to make a few points about daylight, the savings time, and then the lesson will be yours. The first expectation God has for us, and this is our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 11, okay? Um, if you would turn there, uh, and uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 through 11. 
the Bible tells us this. Um, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. Verse 5. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We're not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. Now, that's a general statement, brother. Now, y'all know people that's been drunk or coot in the daytime, but this, this is in general, okay? Verse 9, but since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate, I'm sorry, breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you also are doing. Brethren, from that text, we see some things that God has expectations of us, okay? And the first one is this from our text. He is, says we are to become who we are, verses 5 through 8 that we just read, okay? Brothers and sisters, God demands, he commands that we buckle down and get serious about our Christianity. He literally wants us to put it into action. That's what walking in the light means, okay? The Bible says in 1 John 1, beginning of Verse 5, as we just mentioned a minute ago, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, us with God and God with us, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. That word if is conditional, though, brethren. There's a whole lot of people who claim to be Christians who are not walking in the light. They're walking in the darkness. And, 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 and so Paul tells the Thessalonian church here, you know what? If you claim to be Christians, if you claim to be children of light, then you've got to walk that way. You, you, that's the way you've got to live. We're not perfectly, brethren. We understand that. We're not perfect, but that's the direction that we need to go in. And so he says, be who you are. Well, who are we? The Bible describes the Christian in various ways, but for our lesson this morning, as uh, Hunter just read in 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why are we these things, brethren? We have a mission so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if you've left the darkness and you're in the light of the Lord now, then brethren, we've got to be that. We have to be the light. We have to live the light. We have to let our light shine, as the Bible says. You are all sons of light and sons of the day, the Bible says. Not, this is not a two-tiered Christianity, brothers and sisters. We cannot be spiritual and worldly. I hear some people talk sometime about certain uh, somebody that's kind of gone back out into the world, and they'll say, well, well, they're a saved, but they're a worldly Christian. Beloved, you don't read that in the Bible. You're not, you, you can't be light and darkness. You, you just can't do it, Okay. And so we're, he says, you're no longer in an age of night and darkness, okay? As our text says in 1 Thessalonians, we do not belong to the night, brothers and sisters. Look at Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 11, and um, this is what the Bible says there, okay? For you were formerly darkness. He's talking to people, if you read Ephesians 1 and 2, it said you've been saved by God's grace. So he says, you were formerly darkness. 
But now you're light in the Lord. So if you're light in the Lord, what do you got to do? Walk as children of light. That means you live that way. That's your lifestyle. And he goes on to say, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Okay? Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Why? Because you're light, that's why. But instead, he says, even expose them. Now, brothers and sisters, how does light expose darkness? Somebody, what do I, what do I got to do to expose darkness? You simply be the light. That's what light does. If you go into a room and you, and you turn on a light, the light is going to expose the darkness, right? That's what it does. We were in Mammoth Cave, Kentucky several years ago, and we were over a mile under the ground, and the lady said, let me show you what true darkness is. And she, our little tour guide, and she turns, flips his big switch and turns off the lights they had in there. And, brethren, I'm telling you, that was dark. But she said, let me show you what one little match can do in pure darkness. And she lights a kitchen match, and you'd have thought they turned the floodlight on. Light exposes darkness. So how do we expose darkness? Just be the way we are. Just be Christians. Just be, be the light, and it will do that. Now, brethren, understand the Bible said there are those that like to be in the dark, and they don't like you to expose it, and that's why certain people don't like to hang around Christians, right? They'll tell you that. They won't put it in those words. I don't like to hang around that boy. He's no fun. He won't drink, smoke, cuss, chew tobacco, and, 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 and run with wild women and, you know, all that stuff, you know, so I don't, you know, he's no fun. Well, well, that's light and darkness, and we've got to be the light, and the light's going to expose the darkness, okay? Whether you ever find yourself somewhere you don't belong, Maybe a party that went wrong. Maybe you have a lost family member and, and, you, and, and you want to, um, uh, you know, be there for them. But, you, man, you know you don't fit in. You know, it just, oh, just everything they do just, just grates against you, you know, as a Christian. And so, uh, so what do we do? The Bible says we're the light of the world, brethren, not just the light in the church. And, and so we're going to venture into the kingdom of night. We live in this world, and so uh, we do so, as the Bible says, as aliens, so to speak, as sojourners. And so what are we here for then? To let our light shine before men, meaning in the world, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, Jesus says. And so that's what we are to do. But brothers and sisters, as Christians, we are to become as the daylight, verses 6 through 8, as he says there, right? He says, he says, let us not be like the others who are asleep. Now, a lot of times that word asleep in the, Greek, in, the, in the context will refer to someone that's dead. He, he used that in, in chapter 4. In this context, he doesn't use it in, in, as someone that's dead. They're dead spiritually, but not physically. And so uh, what do we do, brothers and sisters? He said, don't be like that. And, but he, you know what he's saying to us? We have the potential to do that if we're not careful. Some of us escape the tension, if you will, of living among the kingdom of darkness by adopting the mentality of the natives, don't we? That's how we do that. There's a tension, brethren. Light and darkness is hard, it's hard, hard time coexisting. So there is a tension. And so what does a lot of people try to do? Well, they're the light, but they're going to compromise a little bit. They say, well, I won't let my light shine too bright. And so we'll dress like the world. We'll, even if it's immodest, we follow the fads of the world. We're going to keep up with the Joneses. We let society set the agenda, and we embrace it without thinking about uh, what it's going to do to our Christianity and to the, the, our effectiveness of letting our light shine. And so we get spiritual. Spiritually sluggish. So he's saying here, don't sleep. Don't go to sleep like that. 
In fact, he says, you be awake, verses 6 and 7, or else alert, as he would say in, the NS, in other versions of the Bible. The, the word here means to be vigilant, to be watchful, okay? Like someone on a watchtower watching for the enemy. Brethren, that's what we've got to do, see? And, and so some people are just selectively oblivious to certain things, right? Some Christians are alert, uh, uh, are, are not very alert about their money, how they spend it, you know? Maybe they're very alert about sports and work, but oblivious to spiritual things, right? And, and the Bible says we can't be like that, brothers and sisters. Alertness, of course, is a state of mind. And God wants your mind, and he wants your attention, he doesn't want you to be part of a spiritual attention deficit crowd who says, well, I'm going to kind of keep one foot in the darkness and one foot in the light and kind of compromise that way. He said, no, you can't do that. You've got to be on the alert. You've got to be ready. You've got to be watchful. You've got to be willing. Okay? And then, and then the next word he uses says to be sober. Now, brethren, that word sober carries different meanings in the Bible. One, of course, it does mean not under the affluence of alcohol or drugs or anything that would cause you not to be alert. Okay, that's one meaning, and um, he may be meaning that here because he talked about people getting drunk at night, and obviously alcohol or drugs is going to cause you not to be alert. I've had people that smoke marijuana say, marijuana really helps my mind and helps me be alert. Yeah, while they're running into a telephone pole. No, it doesn't, brethren. It makes you stupid. It's been proven medically. That's not a preacher's opinion. It makes you stupid, okay? All right, I know, never a problem with this crowd at all. Okay, all right, or alcohol. But, brothers and sisters, he, it also means that when you, he says be sober, it also means in the Greek a moral alertness a, and a discipline, a <coughs> being under your self-control. He says, uh, as, as one uh, fellow says, both sleeping and getting drunk here are the, the things generally done at night. Sleeping refers metamorphic. Yeah, to passive indifference, getting drunk to active sin. Um, and, and so he said, you got to be careful about those things, okay? Brothers and sisters, we are, we are to be properly armed, he says, in verse 8 with three virtues. Did you notice that? And, and these are in 1 Corinthians 13, 13 as the three greatest things that a Christian can have. Faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest is love. And so we need to have these three. And, and he's talking here in verse 8. Um, he says, um, the second part of uh, um, um, verse 8, that uh, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. What is that from? You remember Ephesians 6? And he's talking about putting on the full armor of God. And he doesn't mention the full armor here, but he does mention the three major things. And he says as Christians, we need to put those things on as children of the light. Okay? And so then, brethren, that's what we need to do. Because if you really want to do that, look at Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 10 following, and you will see that. But the armor, brothers and sisters, that he says to put on as children of light is for warfare. The armor is for battle. You don't wear your armor when you're at home sitting in your easy chair, sipping your lemonade, and watching Wheel of Fortune. All right? Your armor's on for battle. And this is what he's talking about putting on. And what does Paul tell the, the church? Paul says, you know what? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? The spiritual forces 
of darkness. And so that's why I said you've got to put these things on. So, brethren, the first expectation God has for us to one is be who we are. He says, you're light. You have no reason messing with the darkness. But God has a second expectation of us, and that is, he says, we need to contemplate our destinies. And you walk in the light. Why? Verses 9 and 10. Because God has not destined you. We're not destined for darkness, brothers and sisters. He says, he says you have not destined for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, brethren, we, we, ought, to, we ought to always concentrate on that. How many of y'all have ever watched a Star Wars series or episode, right? Come on, come on, everybody, right? Is, let me ask, is there anyone here who has not? Repent. No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But brethren, you know the Star Wars darkness, forces of evil against the forces of darkness, right? And, and a lot of spiritual metaphors in those shows. And, and, and Darth Vader, who's dark, of course. And in the evil, and, and, he, and he goes to Luke Skywalker, who's walking in the light, and, and he says to him about certain things, that the crux of the movie, Luke, this is your destiny. I don't sound like James Earl Jones, but Luke, this is your destiny. Brothers and sisters, Christians have a destiny. Okay? And we need to contemplate that. We need to concentrate on that. God doesn't want us just to think about only on the deathbed when we're getting ready to die or to think about all that we have in Christ just when we take communion. Brothers and sisters, he wants us to be assured about what he has done for us and what waits us. We have a future as children of the light. And he says, as such then, since it's, that's your destiny, then you are going to chapter 9, or I'm, I'm sorry, verse 9, you're going to escape wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath, which is revealed from heaven, as Romans 1.18 says, against those who walk in the darkness and do evil. Okay? And so, we, since that's our destiny and, we, and we're escaping God's wrath, then what are we going to do? We're going to receive salvation. Isn't that great? Or obtain salvation, as other versions of the Bible says. Note that salvation is something we receive and obtain. How do we do that? By obeying God's gospel plan of salvation, by being faithful to God, by walking in the light as he is in the light because we're light. And how do we do that? How do we obtain it? Verse 9 and 10, by the death of Jesus on the cross. Brethren, <clears throat> Christ died for everybody, but not everybody's going to benefit from Christ's death because they refuse to surrender their lives to him. They refuse to live for him. But we're destined, he says in verse 10, to always be with the Lord. Isn't that marvelous? God did not appoint us to receive wrath, he says, but to obtain salvation. And that's the salvation we children of the light should want to share with those who are in the darkness. Amen? That should be our mission. The first expectation God has for us is to become who we are. Be who you are, brothers and sisters. If you're light, then walk as children of light. His second command for us is to contemplate our destiny. Brethren, we need to do that. We need to do that in a world that is hard and harsh and rough and, and the devil working on us all the time. We need to remind ourselves of our destiny and say God's got us under his control. And then his third expectation is... Focus on building up our fellow Christians. Verse 11. He said, I want you to comfort one another. 
you continue to do that, okay? Rather than too many Christians come to church to get something, the thought of all connecting to and helping others in the church family rarely crosses our mind. Sometimes we, 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 you know, we, we try to do that. You know, what's in it for me? And I'm here to get what I can get out of it. No, we're here to give, not only in a church setting, but in our everyday walks of life, brothers and sisters. And we cannot separate our worship to God uh, from our concern for our brothers and sisters. John brings that out in a marvelous way. If you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar, and the truth isn't in you, and you can't love God who you haven't seen if you don't love your brother who you have seen. So we're to encourage other believers, as he says in verse 11, okay? That encourage, the Greek word there is parakaleo. It's used of God's Holy Spirit oftentimes, but not solely. And it's also used to us like such in this context. And it means to come alongside and to strengthen. Do you know anyone in this congregation that's your brothers and sisters in Christ that you need to come alongside and to strengthen? need to do that. And brothers and sisters, understand this. This is a two-way street. Anytime you read any of the one another verses in the Bible, it literally means one to another, okay? I'm to encourage Cindy. Cindy is to encourage me. It's, not, it's, it's got to be a two-way street. What I hear often is, well, you know, uh, y'all don't, uh, you know, nobody visits me, nobody prays for me, nobody this, nobody that, and the other, and then they don't do the same either. And so it's a two-way street. That's what we got to do. And so one another, mutuality. We do it both to one another. Build up other believers, he says in verse 11. Don't tear them down, brothers and sisters. Now, some versions adds with these words, okay? It implies we need to know the Scripture and apply the Scripture and be able to encourage one another with the Scripture. Uh, the Apostle Paul said that in, Philippe, in, in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, if you'll just back up a few verses there, when he says, uh, therefore, comfort one another... <coughs> with these words. What words? The holy inspired word that he had just given them in this letter. And so, brethren, that's how we can do that. It's proper and right to say to one another, but I know you're going through a horrible time. I know you're going through a crisis, but God says, the scripture says, and you just hang in there. Brethren, we need to do more of that and encourage one another. The Bible tells us, you see, that's what we need to do. The vision of the church of the, of the Lord is active participants, not Passive spectators. Do you edify? In the, and brothers and sisters, do you do that? In the New Testament, that means to build up, to encourage, to nurture one's faith, to strengthen. Do you do that, brothers and sisters? And then he says in the last part of verse 11, you continue to do that. He says, just as you are also doing. He said, you, you keep on doing it. There's no stopping point, brethren. There's, there's no stopping point for that, okay? We all fall short, but if we keep growing, we're making progress, and that's what we've got to do. Brothers and sisters, continue what you're doing, he says. If you're doing right, continue to do that. If you're building your brethren up, if you're edifying them, continue to do that. You continue to remain faithful. Brethren, that's what people who walk in the light are supposed to do. Amen? So let's conclude. Simple question this morning. The Bible says there are those who walk in the light. There are those who are in the darkness. One's saved, the other one's not. One's in the devil's crowd, the other one's that belongs to the Lord. So, friend, let me ask a very simple question that only you can answer, really, this morning. Do you currently live in darkness? And if you do, today can truly, in a very real sense, become daylight saving time for you if you'll give your life to the Lord, and we'd be thrilled to show you how from God's word while we stand and sing.